Welcome to the weekly podcast, recorded live at Glory City Church, Brisbane. We hope you are blessed by this week's sermon. I am so grateful for what the Lord is doing. And um, I just love coming in here every week and hearing the testimonies. Uh, Deborah, where are you? Where are you? Come here, darling. Come and tell them. You were down at Awakening Australia, weren't you? Can I have a microphone? This is, just, this is just one. I just happened to have a conversation on Friday with Deb. Come on up. And, um, and you went down to Awakening. Yes, I did. But I've just got a little secret with Emily. Where are you? Can you put that picture up? Picture? Is she there? Where's Emily? Is she gone? Oh, Emily. But I just wanted to say that we all saying we were so proud of Mama Kay. But look at Tom. He had the microphone. Well done, Tom. Where are you? Yay. Okay. Um, oh, I better not look at faces. I'm so nervous. I've never stood up here. I just, when I went to Awakening, um, I just, well, they said, they showed you the program on the phone and, and I'm more of a prayer warrior. So what do they do? They go in the closet and pray. I'm not an evangelist person. And I just felt like when I saw the program there, they had outreaches and I thought, well, I'm not going to go all the way there. I'm going to be so blessed. I just want to bless someone. And I thought, Lord, I'm going to go on the outreaches, but I'm not the one to stand on the street corner and preach. But if you just send me one person, I'm just one person, and I'll just be so chuffed that you did that. So anyway, I'm cutting a very long story short. The first day, they, um, at, the, at the awakening, they were, um, you know, they were saying to people, look, if you're a bit nervous about going to outreach, don't worry, even on the tickets, didn't have Jesus or anything like that. They just said, just come to Awakening Australia. And they said, just tell them Jesus loves them. So the first day we went out, um, we hadn't seen Brisbane, my friend and I, Yvette, so we were walking up the street and um, yeah. So we didn't, nobody was, um, it came to mind. We were looking for someone anyway. The second day also, I didn't get anyone to pray for, and cutting a long story short again, um, on the way home on Saturday evening um, at 10 o'clock, we were staying, we stayed about five minutes away from the stadium. When we were walking, we walked in this alleyway, and it was dark, and um, there was like a wall out this, and there was a very, very well-dressed lady with her suitcase, smart, talking on the phone, and as I walked past, God says, she's the one, and I'm going, 10 o'clock, and everything's finished. And I stood and I wanted to speak to her and I was looking at her, but she was on the phone. I didn't want to be rude. So I just, and I, she didn't look okay, but she looked okay. And I said, oh, you're right. She goes, yes, yes, yes. So I walked off and I walked around the corner and God says, she's the one. And I thought, I'm really not leaving without saying something to this lady. So I double backed and the wall was against her and I couldn't see. She was still on the phone. I thought, she's going to think I'm like some kind of stalker, but Lord, I can't see if she's going to go off the phone. And as I said that, she doubled back and bent down and sobbed. And I just thought, Lord, I just walked over and I said, you know what, I've come all the way from Brisbane to tell you that Jesus loves you. And I started speaking to her and I just felt like I said, has a man hurt you? And she said, yes. And I can't remember what I said. I just said, Jesus will never hurt you. And I started speaking to her. And it was like on Friday when that lady spoke over here and saying, and, and Mama Kay has been talking the last two weeks about just looking at someone through their eyes and showing the love of Jesus. And she just looked at me and grabbed me and held me. And I said, what is your name? She says, Virginia. And I said, oh, that's my best friend's name in South Africa. And I said, can I pray for you? And I prayed for her. And, and she went away. And it was just, I said, are you okay? She says, yes, my friend's fetching me. And I was just so blessed that, you know, in that alleyway, just to encourage all of you who just say, I don't, you know, like to talk to people, God will send that person to you. 
And, she, and it was just, and I said, oh, why didn't I invite her the next day? I was so caught up in the moment. And he just said, don't worry, you planted the seed. And yeah, so just to encourage all of you guys. It was blessed. Thank you. That's bad, You did so good. That's awesome. I wanted you to hear that because that's the story of our everyday life, isn't it? You know, that's what God wants us to be doing every day. And the more we hear it from brothers and sisters who are just going through their, their daily life and sharing Jesus, the more we demystify it and take it out of the realms of someone with a special gift and bring it into the, the reality of this is what it looks like to be a believer. And it doesn't have to be standing on a street corner with a, a sermon, it can be loving them, just loving somebody with the love of Christ, asking the Lord, Lord, give me, give me someone this week. Give me someone to talk to, to share the love of Jesus with this week. Every time I've prayed that, God sets something glorious up. I pray, Lord, give me a fish. Give me a fish. You, you said you'd make me fishes of men. Give me a fish. And when I ask for it, wow, he gives, you feel it, this, this, you know in your spirit, that's the one, that's the one. This is the opportunity. And I tell you, he gives grace for what he wants. And he wants people to experience him. He wants people to know the love of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Well, I am um, still on this concept that the Lord has just really been challenging me with what it looks like to be a Christian. Simple, basic gospel, really to love God and to love others. We can say it, we can talk about it, but God wants it to become a reality in our everyday walk and he wants us to be able to manifest it. Uh, we've been talking about what it looks like to be fun to be with in the last few weeks and that based on the understanding that God is love, that in his presence is Fullness of joy. That means when you're with God, it's del he's delightful company. He really is. You feel safe, you feel secure, you feel love, you feel peace. You're completely accepted. His perfect love casts out all fear of rejection. Hallelujah. Yay. In your love, I'm safe. I feel loved. I feel the acceptance of Christ. You are the God the father that was described in the story of the prodigal son. You're always happy to see us. You're not looking at us and judging us, but you're looking at us, longing to give us your mercy, your forgiveness, your salvation, your righteousness. You're longing above all else that we be reconciled to, to him, that we walk in fellowship together, hallelujah. And knowing what he's like is the demonstration and the example to us of what we have become like and empowered to be like, hallelujah. It's not something we have to strive to be like, but he's actually given us his heart for people. He's given us the capacity to be like him because we have received the nature of Christ. It's no longer we who live, but Christ who lives in us. Not the impression of Christ, but actual Christ. Such a glorious thought, hooray. So I wanna speak a little bit more into that tonight. We're gonna to pray, Holy Spirit, give us wisdom. Give us grace. 
Lord, your ways are wonderful and all of your ways are just. Teach us your ways. Show us your paths. Guide us in the way everlasting, we pray in Jesus' holy name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Well, we're talking about what it looks like to love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, that you love one another. And I tell you, to love one another like God loves us is a radical thing. It's so much more glorious than human love that's just nice to people who are nice back to you. It's a supernatural, powerful love that caused people in the first century to talk about the church in such, way, in such a way that they would say, see how they love one another. That's how they were known. I wanna read a few passages of scripture to you today. We're gonna to look at Matthew chapter five, verse 38. It says here, you've heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, not to resist an evil person, but whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. If anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let him have your cloak also. And whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks you, and from him who wants to borrow from you, don't turn away. You've heard it said that you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. Pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be the sons of your Father in heaven. It's a tall order. Pray for, bless, love those that are nasty. Natural human reaction is not to pray for love and to bless, but to react, to talk about them behind their backs, to get together and talk about how evil they are with each other to make yourselves feel better about how awful it is that they're being so awful to you. That's, uh, that's more like what people are like. But God's ways are better than our ways. His ways are higher than our ways. I shared the other night, I find it really hard. I used to find it really difficult, the idea of blessing those that curse you. I'm like, God, I, I feel like it's not responsible to bless them because if they get blessed, they might think that what they're doing is okay. I think it would be better that I pray for repentance, God, that they, they, they get blessed with a very deep conviction and they turn from their sin and then I don't wanna pray blessing. I don't want them to go well because I want them to feel the pain until they do something about changing their ways. <laughs> Seemed logical to me. Anybody else ever had that sort of thought? Aha, okay, I'm not the only one. However, God is smarter than me and he's smarter than you. His ways are higher than our ways, his thoughts are higher than our ways and he has a better way, a way that actually has power to see genuine change, hallelujah. I've been singing this song and I, um, I shared it the other night It's a song from, that was often sung during the Jesus People movement. Back in the 1970s, it was written in the 60s. Just a hymn, very simple little hymn. 
based on the scripture of John 13. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you. That you also love one another. By this, we'll all know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. To love one another as he loves us. How does he love you? Does he get together with the angels and have a little whinge session about you? And what, like, I can't believe it. Like, I know we have to love them, but seriously, did you see what they did? He doesn't do that. He doesn't get together. Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Oh my goodness, sir. Can you, this is really difficult, isn't it? They are so difficult to work with. We, uh, all right, brace yourselves, let's love them. That's just not how he does it. And he says the way that he loves us is the way that we're called to love one another. This is the song, it's simple, it goes, we are one in the Spirit, we are one in the Lord. We are one in the Spirit, we are one in the Lord. And we pray that our unity may one day be restored. And they'll know we are Christians by our love, by our love, and they'll know Christians by our love. So second verse, it goes, we will walk with each other. We will walk hand in hand. We will walk with each other. We will walk hand in hand. And together we'll spread the news that God is in our land. And they'll know we are Christians by our love, by our love. Yes, they'll know we are Christians by our love. We will work with each other. We will work side by side. We will work with each other. We will work side by side. And we'll guard each other's dignity and save each other's pride. And they'll know we are Christians by our love, by our love. Yes, they'll know we are Christians by our love. They'd sing this song and there was such a move of the Holy Spirit that people were getting saved. Hitchhikers would be saved by the time they got from one destination to another. There was mass baptisms happening on the streets, universities, whole high schools were, were experiencing a genuine move of God where prayer meetings would spontaneously break out and, and the, the word of God, the gospel would spread like wildfire. People would say, we'd go to these meetings to mock them and find ourselves irresistibly drawn down to the front, weeping, crying, and giving our hearts to Jesus. And you know, I really believe the Lord is ready and moving already. There is already a momentum where we're gonna see a greater move of God than what was seen then, hallelujah. But they need to know us by our love. This harvest of souls coming in has to come into a family environment where they learn from the get-go what it looks like to be a believer. And they'll know we are Christians by our love. We've, des we've desired from the very beginning when we planted this church that that was our foundational scripture. 
that by this shall all men know we are his disciples, that we love one another. You see, if people can experience love, they can experience God. And we wanna introduce them to God who is love, hallelujah. You know, in my family, um, in my, my mum's mother, she, she was a wonderful woman. It was a wonderful cook. We'd go and spend our, our holidays with her and my grandfather. But she would never hear a bad word about anyone in the family. Like, never. You could not say anything about anyone related to her because you would get a big reaction. You can't talk about family like that. Don't you talk about, they're wonderful. They're, they're, they're wonderful. How dare, don't you say anything. Don't you talk about family. And this was a, a value that she had, and we knew you don't, you, don't, you don't say anything about anyone in the family that's not pure and lovely and of a good report because that's her family. And you know what? As believers, we need to start embracing a revelation that you are family, not just with the people who are like you, but with everybody who calls on the name of Jesus and is a disciple of Christ. They are your family. And if, if natural families have an affinity and a loyalty to each other, how much more should the body of Christ deliberately cover one another, love one another, be vigilant and, and um, deliberate, militant even, even in their love and their defense and their protection of one another, that, of their love for each other, amen? You know, if we, uh, if we really wanna grab a hold of preparing for the harvest, which we do, we need to take this commission to love one another really seriously. And we need to recognize, I believe there is a Holy Ghost awakening where we are waking up and recognizing the remnants of what earthly, worldly culture has crept into our attitudes and conduct. I had an encounter with the Lord a couple of weeks ago here at church during worship, and I had an encounter in heaven. It was so glorious, but it was so holy that the slightest, even the slightest exaggeration seemed like such a distasteful foreign thing. And you know, I believe there is a revelation of the love of God, of the kingdom of God, that is going to cause the people of God to begin to recognize and fully reject the ways of the world when it comes to dealing with one another. And that we have too often adopted and adapted the ways of the culture around about us. I've seen when people don't like another Christian or they've, they, they are a bit concerned about another Christian or, or they, you know, they don't like the way they do something or they don't completely trust them or they don't like them. I've seen them employ worldly tactics where you start hearing the sarcastic jabs or they'll give them the cold shoulder and then talk about them behind their back with one another, build a team. In the, subtle psychological warfare of trying to get them to recognize we don't like you, you must try to figure out why we don't like you so you change your ways so that we will accept you again. <laughs> Has anyone ever been a victim of this sort of pack warfare? 
Oh, good. I'm so glad that doesn't happen here. Praise the Lord. But I tell you, it, it can happen. We can instinctively start to think that we can change people by entering into cold warfare. I'm not talking about Russia and America, but I'm talking about cold wars. We're in the body of Christ. Where we're supposed to be known for our love for one another. We, we employ these tactics of, you know, little sarcastic comments or we'll just go and have a chat about them with someone else behind their back. And it's, it's ungodly, it's unholy, and the world is looking for Jesus in the body of Christ. We need to let the name of Jesus be hallowed. We wanna see him glorified. And I tell you, it's by our behavior that we reflect and we, we demonstrate to the world what he's like. Amen? Matthew 18, 15 talks to us about what to do when we've got someone, something against someone else. It says, moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. Turn to your neighbor, say, alone. <laughs> if he hears you, you've gained your brother. But if he'll not hear, Take with you one or two more that by the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And then there's a process. This is a biblical process of what you do when you've got something against someone else. However, sadly, biblical protocols, biblical processes don't always get the first right when we are emotionally responding to somebody we don't like. Too often it looks like finding your friend or your spouse or your family and having that person for dinner while they're not there. As in biting and devouring through criticism, sarcasm, talking about them. The Bible says if you've got something against someone, don't go and talk about them to somebody else. Don't tell me about it, tell them. Talk with them with the hope of gaining reconciliation with your brother. It tells us in Matthew 5, 23, therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. In other words, whether you've got something against someone or you sense that there's a problem with someone else, Make the effort to go and talk to them and find reconciliation. I mean, talking to them in love with the aim of let's be reconciled. How have I offended you? How can I, how can I go low? What can I do, Lord? Show me how, how we can see this restored. You see, they will know we are Christians by our love, by our love. Yes, they'll know we are Christians by our love not by our sarcasm, not by our building a team against people. 
we need to do things differently because we are different. We are no longer of this world. We now are citizens of heaven and in heaven things are done very differently. Hallelujah. We have power to live differently and to love people the way God loves us. Amen. If you can't imagine God doing it, then we shouldn't be doing it either. Well, you know, I'm just having a little vent to my husband. If you haven't spoken to that person first, then you are violating the word of God. If you haven't spoken to the person you're talking about to somebody else first, then you are not following the principles that Jesus laid out. God's looking for us not to, not to try and justify our gossip and our slander, but to humble ourselves and make it a priority to love him and to love others and to be reconciled to our brothers as far as possible. Live at peace with one another. Hallelujah. I'll just tell you like it is. Romans 12, 10. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. Who's that speaking to? Believers. That means to be kindly affectionate to everybody that names the name of Jesus. To your brothers and sisters, be kindly affectionate. Be known by your love, both inside and outside. To those that are of the household of faith, do good. To those that are outside, let the word of God dwell in you richly. Let the love of Christ be manifested through you. Let Jesus, who is the friend of sinners, be seen in you. Let them see his great love that he might be lifted up as the light of the world. He says, I'm the light of the world. And then he says, you're the light of the world. Together, we're called to manifest Jesus, not our personalities. Christ, through our personalities, wants us to live the glorious, shining lights that he's made you to be, reflecting him uniquely through who you are created to be. Amen? Amen. As far, and be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honor, giving preference to one another. As far as is dependent on you, live at peace with one another. Hallelujah. That means no cold wars. You know, we can say this, but you know what? It starts in the home. It starts by changing the way that you think and the way that you speak. I'm talking about cutting out criticism at home, in the kitchen. Instead of, you know, seeing a media person or reading an article and then having a, going to town criticizing them, oh, can you believe what they are doing? Can you believe what they're wearing? Can you rah, rah, rah? If you habitually criticize people you have not personally met in front of your children, you are teaching them the way of life. And God's ways are better than our ways. I, you know, we need to be vigilant. We need to change our thinking. We need to be different. Come out from among them and be separate. 
you know, I, um, I, found, I got caught the other day. We were watching television and um, I was with Emily and, some, and, and the other kids. And I said, I just said, oh my goodness, can look at that, look at the way that they've done that, that makeup, that looks terrible. Doesn't that look terrible? That looks terrible, hey, that looks really bad. And Emily says, that's not very nice, mum. <laughs> oh, well, ooh, ooh. How easy, how easy, how easy it is to fall into a pattern of the world, to just be in love with our own opinions instead of making our opinions submit to the kindness, the affection, and the love of Christ. God wants us to deliberately put on and lay hold of the mind of Christ that's been given to us as a gift and to deliberately start to look at people like Jesus looks at them, to think about them like Jesus thinks about them, to treat them like Jesus does. Would Jesus do that? No, he wouldn't. Would he think about someone like that? Would he say something about someone like that? No, he would not. Why do we do it? I know you might think this sounds very basic, but I tell you, I believe there is an extreme, glorious move of God that's gonna cause us to embrace a practical holiness in our everyday speech in our everyday attitudes, in our everyday conduct with one another. And they'll know we are Christians by our love. I believe it will be said of us. See how they love one another. Let it be seen in your everyday world, in your workplace, when you're so tempted to join the team in the criticism of that particular person who's doing things that you know, just are annoying, instead of agreeing with the bunch, why don't you be known by the fragrance of Christ and say something kind? My grandmother, she used to say, if you don't have something nice to say, don't say anything at all. You know what? There's some really good advice right there. What's the point in your nasty words? What's the point in your criticism? Are you building a team, making yourself feel better, agreeing with somebody about how we don't agree and we don't approve and we don't wear, so we're together? God's looking for us not to be factional, but to be lovers of Christ, hallelujah, who are known by our love for one another. It's so easy to embrace a culture that is counterculture to the kingdom, but I believe there is a stirring and an awakening where the people of God are getting fresh lenses to recognize, like I did the other night in worship. Wow, wow. Holiness is a real deal where it's like, like nothing is nothing contrary to, to the, the word of God. Nothing that's contrary to his character is even remotely acceptable. Where there will be a glorious distaste. I want to prophesy there's going to become a glorious distaste for everything that is unholy in this place. Now, when you're criticizing people in front of your children, you're teaching them that's what we do. 
But if instead you are deliberate to let no unkind, no unedifying word pass through your lips, you will raise a generation that will be sweet, that will be pure, that will see like he sees, that will speak like he speaks. You know, even in front of your spouse, it's so easy. It's so easy just to have, you know, little bit, we want to just criticize that person. Yeah, yeah, we feel good. Yeah, we agree. Yeah, yeah, we don't like that very much. But you know what? Your spouse needs to see Jesus too. Your spouse needs to see Christ in you too. You don't have the liberty to have a carnal, fleshy moment not with anybody because you are no longer living but Christ lives in you and the Spirit of God doesn't leave when you decide to have a, a, a critical moment. Instead, he stays there and is grieved. My grandmother, she would go to the extent of you know, she, would, she wouldn't even let any form of dishonor happen, talking about other people. I'd say, oh, she, she this or she that. She'd say, she's the cat's mother. <laughs> like, what? You don't say she, use their name. Because it was about honor and about respect. I thought, that's a bit over the top. But you know, the idea of actually starting to learn to live in a way that is genuinely outdoing one another in honor, love, and respect is the way that people will remark, see how they love one another. When we don't just give a little bit, and Aussies, you know what? We're not that great at respect and honor. Sadly, historically, we've been pretty much more comfortable with trying to bring everybody down to a low level. But I tell you, that's shifting. The Australian church is gonna be known by their love, by their honor, by their respect for one another. Hallelujah. I be oh, that's, that deserves more applause than you're actually giving there. God wants to shift the culture where we become known by our love for one another, that we start to talk about one another with a reality in our heads. This is the apple of God's eye. I'm gonna speak with great respect, hallelujah. We need to deal with others differently than people do in the world. I wanna just read to you a scripture from Romans chapter 12 as we finish tonight. I'm gonna to read it out of the Passion Translation. It's beautiful, delicious, hallelujah. You can read it out of any translation, but I'll, I'll do this one tonight because it's delicious. Romans chapter 12, if you've got your Bibles, you can turn there with me. I'm gonna start at verse nine. Hallelujah. Let the inner movement of your heart always be to love one another and never play the role of an actor wearing a mask. Despise evil and embrace everything that is good and virtuous. Be devoted to tenderly loving your fellow believers as members of one family. Try to outdo yourselves in respect and honor of one another. 
Be enthusiastic to serve the Lord, keeping your passion toward him boiling hot. Radiate with the glow of the Holy Spirit and let him fill you with excitement as you serve him. Let this hope burst forth from within you, releasing a continual joy. Don't give up in a time of trouble, but commune with God at all times. Take a constant interest in the needs of God's beloved people and respond by helping them. And eagerly welcome people as guests into your home. Speak blessing, not cursing, over those who reject and persecute you. Celebrate with those who celebrate. Weep with those who grieve. Live happily together in a spirit of harmony and be as mindful of one another's worth as you are your own. Don't live with a lofty mindset thinking you're too important to serve others, but be willing to do menial tasks and identify with those who are humble instead. Don't be smug or even think for a moment that you know it all. Never hold a grudge or try to get even, but plan your life around the noblest way to benefit others. Do your best to live as everybody's friend. Beloved, don't be obsessed with taking revenge, but leave that to God's righteous justice. For the, ju for the scriptures say, vengeance is mine and I will repay, says the Lord. And if your enemy's hungry, buy him lunch. Win him over with kindness, for your surprising generosity will awaken his conscience, and God will reward you with favor. Never let evil defeat you, but defeat evil with good. Amen? Well, Father, we say thank you for your word. Lord, let it resonate so deeply within us that you bring us to a holy discomfort with everything that is not your way. We invite you, Lord, because we desire to be known by our love. Father, we say thank you for your word. Lord, let it bear fruit in our hearts. Lord, let this not just be a good word that people say amen to, but let it go down deep into their hearts, take root and produce fruit that would cause the world to say, see how they love one another. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So Thank you for joining us. If you would like to partner with us in spreading the gospel to the nations, you can do so via our website, www.glorycitychurch.com.au. We would love to hear from you. If you have a prayer need, please send us an email at infoglorycitychurch.com.au. We would also love to hear your testimonies. You can email these praise reports to infoglorycitychurch.com.au. God bless.